and welcome to another episode of Ideaprov. I'm your host, Mike Pedersen. And I'm here with um, a friend of mine that we kind of connected online, you know, just one of those natural, you know, bouncing uh, posts back and forth with. His name's Kai. Um, he's up in the Canada area. And so I want to introduce him and let him just kind of talk about himself. So how you doing, Kai? How's, how's your Saturday? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Mike. I like how you said I'm in the Canada area, which is uh, which is actually Canada. But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, I'm good, man. Saturday's good. We've had a beautiful September. I know you're in Florida, so it's probably just like stifling hot still. But um, but we live in like the sort of uh, 70s, 80s realm, and it's pretty it's pretty nice. Um, so I'm I'm happy for that. I've been riding my motorcycle to work every day, um, and uh, have no complaints. Are you riding doing? a motorcycle to work? That's got to be fun. You do it all year round. It's okay, or? but it's I, I just do it when it's nice, man. I'm not that uh, adventurous, but uh, um, Vancouver's got crazy traffic, man. It's a very international city, and um, which is great. I love how like diverse our city is, but I also like there's some scary drivers out there that are used to you know traffic, international traffic, and maybe like being more aggressive and. Uh, lots of people on their cell phones and stuff, so I, I like riding my bike, but I also, um, you know, it can raise my blood pressure a bit, but that's okay. So it's a fun experience. <laughs> Sweet. So it looks like, you know, ride the bike and, and do different things to work. So, you know, I want to give you a few moments to uh, kind of just give us what's what you've been passionate about. Like what's what's driving you the past, you know, six months to a year. Like this is your segment, your time to shine. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do and the, and the, the creative space that you're working in right now. Cool, yeah. Um, well, I mean, a lot, of, a lot has changed in my life in the last year. Um, obviously, you know, we've been going through COVID and um, I'm like a, I'm a lifelong musician. So I kinda, I spent like my early, like late teens into my mid twenties touring in a couple of different metal bands, um, which is, which sounds, uh, it sounds intense, but I'm not really a crazy metalhead. I just happen to be in metal bands. Um, and then I kind of took a long break after I decided to stop touring, where I was just kind of you know playing music at home, but not really pursuing it. And then when COVID hit, I really realized how much I miss pursuing music. So I've been flipping gears and, and writing with other people. Um, so I've started writing with some people locally here in Vancouver. Obviously travel isn't an option. So I'd love to eventually get to like Nashville or LA or wherever people are doing it. But, um, but right now there's a, like there's a country girl in Vancouver I'm writing with and there's a pop girl I've been, been connecting with a bit. So that's been kind of my creative outlet these days is, is uh, exploring the the writing with other people uh, musically, and, and that's that's been really fun. And then work-wise, I I was a bartender for many years, and um, and I actually met uh, this guy Chris, who's now my my boss. But he was just a guy who came to my bar with his wife, super nice dude. And he has a startup called Olive, which is like a technology evaluation platform. And he was like literally just chatting with me when he came to the bar we got on really well he would talk to me about my hopes and dreams and I would and I was learning about Olive and I was like that sounds really cool um, you know I think your idea is neat and he's like if you ever want to work in tech um, he was a bartender turned tech guy and so he's got a soft spot for tech or for bartenders at getting into tech so I said um, you know I kind of said that I was looking to get out of bartending and he was like if you ever want to learn about tech like come work with me it might be like below you or beneath you to do like entry-level tech stuff but try it out 
And I was super open to it because at the time, um, you know, I just felt like I couldn't really go anywhere in what I was doing. So I got part time into the, his company doing kind of data entry and research and really you know, learning the lingo of tech and all that stuff. And then when COVID hit, kind of as COVID was hitting, we were going through Techstars in Seattle, which is a tech, tech accelerator, startup accelerator. And he was like, man, we're busy. If you want to do sales, like you can do full time, get into um, get into the tech world full time and leave bartending behind. And, and I said yes, which actually kind of worked out okay because the bars, unfortunately, were all kind of shutting down due to COVID, um, you know, which sucks because a lot of my friends and colleagues were out of work for a bit. But um, uh, I just kind of lucked out into this tech world. So, I mean, that's been interesting. This, this last year, it's been like, and really last six months, it's been getting into the tech world and then rediscovering my passion for, for writing music. So that's kind of where I'm at today. That's what I'm, that's what I'm up to. I'm working nine to five or whatever in, in tech and then I'm coming home and writing music and it's been great. It's been super fun. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's one of those things a lot of people could, I guess, resonate with, you know, a lot of people, I mean, myself, I have a nine to five as well and I come home and well, <laughs> I stay home, go to a different room in the house at this point, um, and then start in with, you know, our, our side passions, the side hustles, the things that really kind of motivate us and get us going. Um, so do you feel like it could be, I guess, what am I trying to say? Do you feel like you're getting I guess, do you feel like you, you are where you would want to be, given the conditions? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, th I think that, um, you know, just location-wise, I'm very, I mean, Vancouver has been, you know, touch wood, quite unaffected by COVID. Not unaffected, but we're doing okay. And I mean, I'm thankful that uh, geographically I'm in a, in a place where, and, and you know, I have a roof over my head and I can, you know, and I, I have a partner that I enjoy being around and a dog and stuff. So, I mean, I, in that regard, like I'm, I'm doing quite well. I'm quite thankful for like being in a city that's doing okay with COVID, you know, enjoying the people I'm with because we're doing a lot of hanging out at home and, uh, um, you know, it's nice to have, I have friends who are single, you know, and they, and I think it's kind of a, a difficult time, you know, cause it's, it's not really the best time to be going on Tinder and meeting randoms and, you know, spreading COVID. Right. So it's, um, I, I think I'm thankful for that, and and as far as you know, rediscovering my love for for music and my need to play music, sort of that burning need to like, I'm happy when I'm playing music and kind of realizing that, and then also learning new things. I mean, learning things is awesome. Like lifelong learning is amazing, and I wasn't so much learning anymore in in the bar industry. So being able to come to work every day and feel like I'm expanding my knowledge base and and you know growing skills and growing my resume so I, yeah i'm pretty lucky i feel pretty pretty happy and content yeah so one of the things I, i've always wanted to ask you know musicians and artists and stuff and especially songwriters so while well, half of you i have to put in the spot it's just my my curiosity goes is you know what is that I guess creative process look like when you're starting, let's say a brand new song or songwriting, like what's what's the inspiration, what's the drive, the motive? Do you start and work from, you know, backwards to front? Do you start with a chorus and then, you know, work on the on the lyrics in the middle? Um, how, does, how does that work? 
That's a really good question. Uh, it's kind of it's interesting with me uh, specifically because I have never in, really loved my singing voice, uh, but I've loved playing guitar and, and uh, like I've always been a guitar player first and foremost. But um, I'd say in the last you know s several years of my life, I've just been writing these like intricate guitar pieces where I'm I'm not thinking about lyrics and melody as much. And then now that I'm you know shifted gears into writing songs in, in sort of that pop realm or the pop country R&B whatever kind of popular music realm I'm really focused on lyrics and really focused on melodies so now um, I'm, I'm just like obsessed with finding cool melodic runs and you know cool hooky lyric ideas I always, I always like to say when I'm writing with people like let's find a copyright which is kind of meaning let's find a title of a song or, or um you know, uh, something that's never been done. That's almost—it's not copyrighted, obviously, because you can't really copyright art. But like, let's find a copyright. Whereas, like, you know, you wouldn't call a song "Umbrella" because like Rihanna did it, and no one else is going to do a song called "Umbrella." Um, so I'm like, let's find the let's find something like that where we can write a song where it's like no one else wants to write that song because it's been done really well. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're at, it's really I'm going going round and around with the answer. I don't know if I have it, but uh, I would say I usually start somewhere from the beginning usually most typically I just find like a theme get into the first verse when I'm writing with other people I like to write maybe the first verse and chorus um, of a few songs before I meet up with them so I can say like you know do any of these things resonate with you is this a story that you could tell and feel like authentic about um, and typically when it's like relationship stuff you can you can take the general theme of any like relationship song and song and work it into your um, into your own life so um, yeah, I would say most typically for me, it's first verse, first chorus, and find some really good hooks and really good um, lyrics and, and content that like isn't super overdone. That's I'm always trying to do like something, because in the pop world, it can be very overdone, but just yeah. try and start a song that feels right, yeah. I, I, I feel that because it's, you know, with so much content and, and individual artists coming out with and, and producing their own stuff, it's it'd be challenging finding something that hasn't been done before that's like legitimately original that and we said, oh, they, you know, they sampled this or they, they, you know, they took a piece of that. So that's gotta be super hard. Yeah, I played, I played in bands that were very like avant-garde. Um, uh, we were kind of, my first band was like, we were called like math metal, which means um, we had very off time, bizarre song structures. Our drummer is like one of the best drummers in the world. He's like buddies with Dave Grohl now and stuff. Like he's this like crazy talented musician. Um, so we had this ability to write really out there songs and kind of songs that couldn't be copied or we weren't copying other people. So now that I'm in a world of, of sort of a world of copying, a world of like, you know, stealing ideas from other people, um, it's always a challenge to sort of, um, to still stay original, so I definitely, um, it's fun, it's fun though to try and write something in the pop world that hasn't been done a million times, it's cool. Cool, yeah, so one of the things that kind of um, stuck with me in that last thing and helps me kind of, you know, open up the topic is you're talking about, you know, creating something original um, and you know, not necessarily fitting the mold. And so when we talk about fitting the mold, oftentimes, um, sometimes stereotypes and biases that we all have internally can kind of get in the way. 
so one of the things that you know Kai and I wanted to wanted to talk about from a theme perspective today is you know that in the in the in the arena of relationships, right? So you have those that are tall, those that are short, some that are well-spoken, some have accents, some people have stutters, green eyes, could be a little hippie, um, or whatever the case may be. Can we decouple these biases that we might have about these physical traits or stereotypes from a personal preference when choosing a mate? So. The first thought that I had with it is, I think it can be done, but I think you kind of have to understand how, I guess those biases and stereotypes are coming across, right? Um, so for me personally, like I know that I've always probably got treated a certain way because of just the way I look. For those listeners out there, I'm probably about 5'11" darker in pigment. I definitely got some sun. I'm a brown guy. I'm from the islands. Um, and I have long hair, probably down past my back, um, that's dreaded up. So oftentimes when I walk out of the house, it's a completely different situation. You know, people just look at me interesting. I've had random people come up to, the, to me at the stores or out in bars and ask me if I had weed on me or marijuana on me or if I had a lighter or um, and that's not to say it's because of the way I look that they asked me for these things but the way in which that they were asking kind of insinuated that they thought that I probably was the go-to guy for some things um, sure <laughs> so it's it's always interesting because you know one of the things and, and kind of not to spill your things but you're a tall guy, so I'm sure you probably experienced some of that on your end as well, right? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, of course. And, and, and it's funny, like you're just you're obviously, you know, I'm I'm um, I'm not I'm white, so I mean, I think I like obviously a lot of the the biases and stuff you feel I think will be because there's just a lot of like crappy people out there that are like racist and awful, and that's just unfortunately the the, the truth of, of what's going on in the world, but. And what's always going on in the world, but for me, like the biases I have, because I've chosen for whatever crazy reason to get super tattooed. So for anyone listening, like I'm covered in tattoos. Um, when I played in bands and stuff, I just thought I was always going to be a rocker, and I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna just get crazy and tattooed. So um, yeah, like people definitely like I, if I go to somewhere, you know, like last time I was in like Mexico, I, I couldn't even walk down the street uh, without people being like man, you want weed, you want cocaine, you want this. And I was like, man, I don't want any of that. I just want to enjoy myself. Like, um, And I can totally relate to what you're saying with that, or people think that you're the guy that wants it or has it um, based on appearance. And it's definitely a funny thing. Because, I mean, I don't have any interactions with... Uh, like gangster activity i'm not like a tough dude or like a um i'm huge and people might think i'm tough or like you know but i'm I ch i'm also fairly soft and i i purposely try like when i go into a corner store i'm always like hey how's it going like you know just just getting some chips like i'm like super soft-spoken because i like don't want them to think i'm a threat you know so it's interesting and maybe yeah. you've you know oh, i'm totally with you um <laughs> and, and one of the things that i've always pointed to personally myself is i will get a completely different uh reaction from people depending on how my hair is presented and it's crazy 
yeah, like if my hair is pulled back, it's like, okay, that's one thing. If my hair is down um, and just kind of all over the place, people are like, oh, he's one of those guys from the Bad Boys movies. I don't know if I should mess with him. And by, by no means is it, I mean, I, like, okay, yeah, I go to the gym. I try and keep myself healthy, but I, I'm not ripped. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do anything. I, you know, I don't have friends in that part of town, that type of thing. Um, but it's, it's always interesting to, to see how that translates into the way people think, into the way that they, I guess, interact with others, especially in the dating scene. So one of the, one of the things that, I'm not gonna say most, because I feel like it's a, it's a moving standard, but oftentimes when people encounter others with, for example, accents, you know, whether it be a British accent or, you know, maybe German or French or something like that, they perceive them as more attractive, right? And so why is this? Is it legitimately because they're more attractive? Is it because they're conceptually more attractive because maybe they might speak multiple languages? Um, or is it just a preference that it, they're maybe exotic or different or something like that? Like, how does that factor into our preference as far as hey I want to choose a mate like do I this is it is that something that is legitimately hey I like the way their voice is or is it because it's been kind of the impression that society gives is that these people are special Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, North American culture, I mean, you mentioned like British accents, right? And I think that, you know, um, I'll say American culture because Canada takes after America's culture. We just kind of copy what you guys like. So I'll say American culture is very influenced by by British culture. I think that you're, it's a fascinating, like people are fascinated by England and, and London and, and um so maybe like when you're hearing accents, uh, you know, a London accent or something um, similar, you know, even even other parts of, of England, but I think that London accent's what's really famous and what people recognize is like, you associate it with like something posh and something, you know, something um, important and uh, it could be just triggering something in your brain that's like, um, yeah, it's different, it's unique, it's not, and, and depending where you're from too, like maybe you're from a smaller town where it's like, I, I hate everyone in my town, I mean, I'm just riffing, but maybe you're like, I've, I, I don't like any, some, some woman that like hates every guy in your town, you've dated half of the ones that are available because it's like a tiny town and you're like, this British guy is in front of me, I mean, I could imagine that being exciting, right? It's, it's exhilarating, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's exhilarating to see something a little bit different, I think. Um, but it's always interesting because whenever I've talked to people about something similar to this before, it's, hey, it was new. And then after two months, three, four dates, whatever it is of, you know, um, courting this person, all of a sudden it just wasn't as fun anymore. Like, I guess maybe the honeymoon stage is over. So it, it always has led me to the thought of, well, why is it so interesting in the first place if we kind of all subconsciously know that at some point in time it's not going to be as interesting anymore yeah i mean we, we live in such a throwaway culture now though don't we? I mean, you and i are both in relationships but i mean how many friends do you have or do i have i can name a couple that are just 
just the atypical, or just the, sorry, the prototypical, like they're just completely committed to that lifestyle of that 2020, like uh, there's always someone else out there, I can always just go online. The second that you get, um, you know, the second something you have your first fight or your first, you know, disagreement about something political or some kind of issue that, um, and obviously there's major issues that would prevent people from dating, but like there might be minor disagreements that can like, you can maybe work through, but it's just like, nah, this person's like DMing me on Instagram. I'm just going to go talk to them. <laughs> and that happens, right? And that's common now. So, I mean, that's another factor into, into all of this is like, are people as willing these days you know, if you look to your our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation, like I, I think there was a lot of like mistreatment and like of of you know amongst you know couples and people staying in relationships that were toxic. I'm sure, but um, but they are maybe willing to like work on things a bit more. I don't know if you you think that's the same, but sticking around, right? No, I think I think you're you're spot on because I feel like previous generations were, I don't know, maybe if it was the the thing of the times, right? So you had to think, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, um, you know, you had world wars and that type of thing. And so there was this culture afterwards where, you know, you have to build back stronger, the economy coming back, you know, and that whole baby boomer generation was kind of built off of that, you know, work hard type of type of mantra. Um, now technology has changed that, and, you know, to your point, like you were talking, you know, it, it feels like you can just exist on a couple of different social apps and you can line up the next two and a half weeks with new dates and new people and there's this constant pull to not necessarily like find somebody better or, or or feel like like there's a better connection out there for you and it's it's challenging for people i think to kind of sit in their into a relationship and really look at it from a deep perspective to say hey is it is this something that I really need to be upset about whenever they're fighting? Is it something that can be worked through? Is it something that maybe I'm taking the wrong way and I need to kind of communicate better with my with my partner or something instead of always looking outside the relationship and fight with? Um, but it's a fine line because I also I believe people should be happy and if they aren't feeling that in their existing situation it's a, it, you know, I think it kind of gives them grounds to communicate with their partner and say, hey, these are the things that I'm looking for. Um, can we come to, you know, try and work on them and try and work on us? And if it, if that's not the case, maybe it's time for us to no longer be us. Totally, totally. And I, I think that, I, I think it's no secret that people stay too long in, in relationships, right? Like, how, how long, I mean, if I think back to, I mean, I've, I've broken up with people or been dumped. I mean, I've been on both sides of it. But, like, if you think about the times where you've been unhappy and you've been thinking about leaving, I mean, I think oftentimes it's like, well, you know, and in Vancouver it's huge because it's expensive to live here, so everyone moves in to get together, like, really fast, which is, like, reckless, I think, to do. But uh, as a rule of thumb, I, I try not to ever do that, you know, like, date for a year or two before you, um, you rush into something if you can, get to know someone. But, like, you know, people they move in fast and then they're like you know they meet each other's families they buy furniture they're in great maybe they're sharing a car a dog a cat 
things are happening where you're just super intertwined. I mean, obviously, kids can happen, but you know, even before all the kids and stuff, it's just you know, just your possessions or everything's you know together. And then it's like, damn, like if I leave this, it's going to be so hard. Like for a period of time, it's going to be really difficult in my life. So um, I think it's just human nature to stay too long in bad situations. Absolutely, I think you're right. Yeah, I think people just stay, like you said, because it's easier. Um, but I also have to think that there's got to be some opportunities before they even get into those relationships where they have to look at some of the, I guess, the traits and characteristics that they're looking for in a mate and really challenge themselves on like how much that stuff really matters, right? Um, so for me personally, I've always like a, you know, um, light colored eyes. Now, lucky for me, um, the lady that I'm with has green eyes, so it, it just happened to work out for me. I, I was lucky in that regard. Um, but I often hear people that are looking for super specific characteristics. You know, I want somebody who maybe is Italian, or I want somebody who is uh, super curvy, or light eyes, or tall, or, um, you know, the tall, dark, and handsome, stuff like that. And while I, I think it's good to have some traits that you just naturally find attractive. I also think that people have to kind of take a step back and realize that maybe you might not all you might not find all of them in one person. And if you do that person, they could be right for you, but they also could be wrong. So thinking about how to I guess how to be flexible with your preferences and then also not be so tightly wound to them because of how I guess they are perceived, right? Um, so one of the things that always plays in my mind is I had a conversation with a, a high school classmate and she was adamant that the guy that she married or you know her life partner, whatever the case may be, had to be over six foot five. This particular uh, young lady at the time was 5'1". So I said, okay, let's just take this as it is, right? And I said, well, what other characteristics um, do you have, right? And she's like, well, I want them to be brown hair, above six foot five, and um, to have a well-paying job, that type of thing. I said, okay, fine, like, that's cool. Um, but I said, look at the amount of population that you've excluded already. I said, so if somebody doesn't have a well-paying job, like, they're gone, so they have to make, you know, in her mind it was above, I think it was like $150,000 a year. I'm like, okay, that's cool, you're 17. Um, and then, of course, six, five and above, I said, there's not a lot of people that are <laughs> that are that tall, especially the men that you're gonna just naturally come across in your lifetime. So I, you know, we, we went deeper on the conversation, and I was like, well, why is it that they have to be that tall? And her, she couldn't really give me a good answer. And I, to this day, I mean, I've, I've experienced some people that, that like the the tall thing. So I'm like, I've always wanted to kind of get at the root as to why why that's so necessary. Um, and of course, there's part of me that thinks maybe it's from a, um, 
I don't know, biological perspective, you know, protection or something like that. Uh, but I'm like, how do we kind of decouple the fact that that's a that much of a necessity for what seems to be yeah. many? I mean, first off, she sounds delusional. I mean, that's a delusional list of demands. I can satisfy some of them because I'm over I'm over six five, but I don't make uh, I don't make that much money, so unfortunately, she'll be disappointed with that. But um. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, you know. Uh, it's funny with the height thing. It's always interesting. My mom's six one, and um, I think she had a tough time. Um, I think men have a hard time with taller women sometimes. And like my down, my old downstairs neighbor, who's a really cool girl. She plays bass and all these cool punk bands. And um, but she's like six four, and she said like uh, she's had this horrible time dating in her life because because men. You know they might they might like her at first and then they go and meet her family and the family like belittles the guy they're like oh you're shorter than your girlfriend and they're like making fun of him in front of her right and in front of and and then th that guy suddenly is like oh damn like this isn't right for me and she said it usually ends shortly thereafter um and she said you know sometimes she thinks and this is her words not mine because i don't think she's I think she's a lovely person, beautiful person, but but um, she was like, I think that guys think I'm gross, and that's what like verbatim what she said, and she's like, because the, uh, and for that because people can't or guys don't think they can protect me. That was kind of what her thing is like. If guys can't feel like they're protecting me, then then they think I'm gross, and I'm like I'm I'm there's they're of no use to me, and I'm of no use to them. And it was interesting to hear her say that. It was kind of sad, obviously, to hear those those things being said, but also. Um, you know, I think when you're speaking to this five-one girl who wants this six-five guy, um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe as humans we're predisposed to wanting. She obviously wants someone who can protect her. Like she wants. There's obviously a protectiveness there. Like whether she acknowledges that, of, like um, you know, if it's subconscious or conscious, I don't know. But um, and then you know, for me, I can tell you, like I have. We all have biases. Like humans are so biased, uh, obviously, in general. But like my, because my mom is six one, I don't date tall women. Like I just have never dated tall women. I've I've gone on, I guess I've gone on dates with taller women, but I've never wanted to pursue it long term. And like my my fiance is like five two five three like super short and i've not i've not always dated short girls like that i've dated girls who are like five eight or five nine but i think that one of my biases is like i don't want to date someone that looks like the women in my family all the women in my family are like six one six feet so um it's interesting man the height thing is so interesting and so many i i it's got to be a protectiveness thing as far as like women wanting um wanting that or or maybe i mean I, I do you know do you know couples who like look alike i see that a lot where they look similar and i'm like damn you like yourself like you are maybe you like the way or maybe they look they look similar because you know maybe that person looks like their parents and subconsciously you know you want someone that looks like your mom or dad and that sounds kind of gross but not in a gross way just like a subconscious way like that's what you're used to that's the person that's the person you loved most growing up like maybe you loved your dad growing up and then you randomly end up with a guy that kind of looks like your dad like i've seen that happen it's it's really weird <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting that you brought it up because that was that was going to be my next kind of like thought process when you when you you talked about you like your friend not wanting to to date their parents like i wonder how much of a hereditary component there is to this right is it do we 
not want to date somebody like them or do you want maybe physical traits but maybe different personality traits um, because you know there's a you know of course there's a psychological component with like the Oedipus and Electra complex and you know the girls like their dads or try and find something like their dads and men um, or boys typically uh, kind of I think it's like fall in love with the mother and, and that type of stuff and so you try and find these kind of traits in them um, but how does that I guess how does that kind of manifest itself in the, in the things that we go for? Do we pick out the traits potentially in our parents that we like and then try and find a mate that embodies some of those, but then try and not find the ones that we don't particularly care for? It's tough, man. I, I think that a lot of people do that for sure. I don't think I've done that because I, I don't see I don't see my my mom in in my any girls I've ever dated. I really don't. But um, but I definitely think you're onto something because I, I I see I see it in other people that are like you know people that are you know my friends who date people. I'm like man, like this person you're dating is like, like a lot like your your parents or something. Right? But I mean, there's so much like crazy nature versus nurture stuff that are going to lead us in in um, in funny directions, right? Like how you're raised and the relationship you see. Maybe maybe you come from. A, a home like a really unhappy home and then that really dictates where you go in your relationships or you come from like um if you come from a super happy home can you date someone that comes from a really broken home you know like because it's so you have nothing in common in that way and like i dated a girl for a long time that had a really really sad upbringing and really really you know mom ran out at a young age and dad was a like just a dad was a wreck and was like this closet hyper christian but also like very gay like closeted gay and like kind of hated himself because he was this gay man who was also very religious and wrestled with his like um you know his consciousness over that and um and she was super messed up from it and like i had i had like a decent pretty nice upbringing like i didn't know my my biological dad but my my stepdad was nice my mom my mom's lovely and like just how messed up she was from her her upbringing like lovely person great person but had some deep rooted scars that like from her upbringing and her like um you know her challenges she faced and i think that you know that put pressure in our relationships so there's obviously like there's so many factors um there's so many factors in that boy regard too like like what you're looking for in a mate based on like what they've experienced in life i think that's a big thing too right like do they share the same story as me yeah, yeah and i think that's a that's a good thing to kind of touch on because i think we, we want somebody who shares the same story who potentially shares the same viewpoint whether it's economically politically spiritually you know emotionally the same um, type of wavelength um, but I, but I wonder how much of it we actually want to have in common because I see people that sometimes have those things in common and then I also see others that are completely opposites in their regard to how they operate um, so uh, for example just in my personal situation um, my lady is extremely, she's quick, right? And she does a lot of things fast. Um, and she's, she won't consider herself the most patient person. Um, myself, on the other hand, I'm almost the exact opposite. 
like I have more than enough patience than probably I should have. Um, and so some people have asked us, well, how do you guys work together, you know, because of the fact that I'm like, well, one, of course, you got to have really good communication and, you know, a couple of the other stuff. But I think one thing that people have to realize is you can change certain parts of you um, and how you perceive things. But you have to do it in a way that is going to be able to be interpreted by others, and especially for those that you're seeking to date, right? Um, for example, you're, you're going out on dates and it, it's okay to, you know, you definitely want to be yourself wholeheartedly, but you have to understand that the way that you are yourself, their life experiences is going to dictate how they perceive you are uh, in a lot of different respects. And, you know, I, I'm thinking of different things that come to mind. Like, for example, uh, there was a, a guy that I knew in college who, used to study really badly and whenever he would get around this one particular girl um, he would start even worse I mean he would really kind of freeze up and I you know I kind of talked with him about it one time and I was like hey like, what's going on he's like I just think she's really attractive and she's, she's cute but and, and so it, it excites me and then when I get excited like my stutter is worse and I was like all right and then you know me getting in the middle of business I probably shouldn't have been into, um, talked with the girl just curiously one day and I said, you know, how do you feel about this, this and this? And I brought up stuff and she's like, it's not really that big a deal. Like it doesn't, doesn't bother me. I was like, well, do you perceive it as somebody who's, you know, not intelligent or, you know, whatever? And she's like, no, not at all. Um, it's just kind of another, it's another hurdle to get to know somebody and it takes a lot of patience. And sometimes, I don't know if I have that. And so I remember they went out and they talked and they had some coffee one time and I never got hold of it afterwards, but um, I always thought that, that was an interesting kind of interaction because it's one of those things that's very natural. Some of those things that, that just can't be helped with people. And so how do people perceive that when they're dating? So things like stuttering, another one is like, uh, some people have lazy eyes, those type of things, or maybe they've had some type of deformity or something like that, or they're missing part of an ear, I don't know. Um, and so why do we kind of perceive oftentimes those people as damaged goods when they're not? Yeah, I mean, we have obviously vanity. There's a very vain society we live in. Um, you know, we're just kind of pumped full of um, you know, this is how the hottest people look, so we should look. I mean, how damaging is, like, the Kardashian family for, like, women around the world? It must be the most damaging thing just to look at, like, these hyper-rich people who've got fillers in every part of their body to look, you know... And they're not... The thing is, they're not... Like, what's their what's their racial... What are the, what are the Kardashians' racial background? Like, are they, like, Italian? I want to say they are Albanian? Yeah, okay, okay, maybe they're Albanian. I just, I just feel like, they're, like the, there's a lot of, um, you know, you look at, they, they just want to look like these, like, juicy, like, Nicki Minaj-type girls. There's a lot of, like, appropriation going on there, for sure. Like, you know, let's spend as much money as we can to look like we're, uh, like, rap video girls or whatever. But, um, but, that, but that's just... Um, I don't know. I just think that 
you know, and for guys, for us, like who who are we supposed to look up to? Like all, it, it's like the the most shredded dudes, the most perfect athletes, whatever they might be. Um, and a lot of them are great people. Like if you look at like LeBron or something, he's a wonderful person. He's done a lot of good for the world. Kobe, you know, RIP was a wonderful guy and like someone to look up to. But they're obviously like, you know, amazing athletes, physical shape. So I mean, I just think that like we're just programmed to be looking for something so like we're always looking for the hottest <laughs> hottest people I think maybe and we want ourselves to be hot too I suppose I think that there's a lot of people out there that'll be unhappy forever because they have unrealistic expectations of who they're going to be dating you know like maybe they don't look so hot themselves and then they're like that but they're unwilling to date someone with a stutter like you say right or unwilling to date someone who might be like this amazing person that just isn't as hot as you know Kim Kardashian who has a lot of money to get a lot of fillers like I, I don't think anything about her is that real anymore you know <laughs> like and and so it's hard to um it's hard man people people have such unrealistic expectations I knew a guy with a stutter too man and he was like such a nice dude and I asked him once like he was the guy who came to my bar and um, he was actually worked in the bar industry too which is so cool to me because he had to talk to people with the worst stutter I've ever heard um, and just made it work and was so confident but um, I asked him one time if he dated anyone and he was like nah like I haven't really dated anyone in a while but I mean I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine the challenges like you and I can go and have like pretty fluid conversations with people we're obviously both like extroverted enough to talk and we're doing this right now and you know, we're just chatting but like the idea of having to deal with the barrier of a stutter would be it's overwhelming to think about like to try and meet people and connect with people organically so it's, it's got to be extremely difficult and I, th I think you touched on a really good point which is kind of we have to be a little bit careful about who we idolize or who we perceive as, as beauty because I think that has a huge impact because like you were talking about either with it's you know Kardashians or just celebrities in general general I think as individuals we have to do a better job to say these people are just people right they brush their teeth just like I do they put on their jeans just like I do um, and oftentimes I feel like people put them on a pedestal because they are so maybe potentially successful or perceived as successful. Um, and then when things come, I guess you could say like crashing down and you see them with um, yeah, divorces or substance abuse or those type of things, it's so massively jarring for the for the population because they're like, what, how, how could this be? They had this perfect life. And it's like, no, like no lives are perfect. You know, and so I think we have to transition that model away from idolizing those particular people and then also kind of recreate how we're doing in the dating scene and realizing that if you're constantly comparing the people that you're meeting at your local grocery store with these people that are plastered across TV all over the place, it's gonna be very difficult probably for you to find somebody that you genuinely connect with when you're constantly comparing instead of trying to find an actual full-blown connected relationship with a person. You know, because then you're, you're, you're constantly looking at the looks of the situation um, or the eye candy of the situation and not the integrity of it. Yeah. I think you made a good point a while back too about um, being willing to hang with people who aren't just like you. You know, like you're saying your partner's not just like you and like mine definitely isn't, man. Like my Alex is like, she's very... Um, 
pretty introverted, um, like can be outgoing, very outgoing with people she's close with, but like kind of like a bit of social anxiety creeps in with new people where I don't have that. I can go into any social circle that's new and just chat and hang out and like, um, and so we're different in that way and we're different in other ways as well. Like, um, but I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, and people are, who are unwilling to, to break out of their comfort zone in that way are missing out because um, you know, you can take on, I'm sure you've taken on some really cool traits um, and learned a lot from your, from your partner. Um, and I certainly have as well. And like, if you just date someone that's so much like you and it's all the same interests as you and stuff, it's just, I mean, it's, it's gotta get boring. And also you just, you must feel like you're, you're weirdly like competing with yourself or you're, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's strange, the idea of dating yeah, someone that's just like you. No, I, th I think you're, I think you're on par for the course because the, while I think a lot of people would be interested because they feel like if they were to date themselves, they would probably have a really good time because they would always get along. I think you need you need some creative differences in the way that you operate, um, or else it just I don't I don't think it works the way you will envision it to work. Um, my situation, she she's quick to make decisions. Me, not so much. But together, like we find a happy medium, and that's one of the things that I've learned with her because uh, one of the things I. I I like to analyze a lot of stuff because I just, I like to think, hence why I have this idea prof show, right? Um, but she's kind of taught me like, not everything needs to be analyzed four different ways till next Sunday. Just like make a decision, move and pivot. And it's been really refreshing for me because if not, sometimes I can just get myself in this constant loop of thoughts and trying to figure everything out all by myself and just putting it out there in space and letting it breathe and just making a decision has been really a thing that's been um, super helpful for me. But I have to think that, that that's something that is probably challenging for people to kind of look inside themselves and say, hey, I, I may need extra work with this or extra work with the fact that maybe I'm not the most patient or the most articulate or maybe the most um, versed or educated in this particular area and try and associate with people or try different people or date different people that could be more versed in those areas because they might feel inadequate but I think that's also where the areas in which you grow yeah for sure um, yeah it's, it's interesting I mean I think I think you know you sound like just from you know we're chatting before the before this started and stuff and like you have so many goals and and uh, and you know aspirations and where you want to be in five year I'm sure you have five and ten year plans and all this stuff in your mind at the very least in your mind if not written down somewhere and um, you know the the idea that you're very calculated and you're thinking things through um, it makes perfect sense and also like you're li we're living in a weird time and. In, I live in Canada. I'm very thankful to live in Canada in a lot of ways. I love America. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I've traveled America a lot. I'm not. I'm not anti-America by any means. I just kind of feel sad for America right now because of, um, you know, a lot of like, well, the COVID thing is brutal, but also just, um, you know, politically how divided it is. And I think, I mean, I'm, I, I just don't. I'm not a big fan of your president. I don't know how you feel about him, but um, I think he's a, you know, he's really created a big divide. But I mean, as you, as a, as a well-spoken, intelligent, like 
person with goals, but also being, as you described yourself, like uh, long hair, dark skinned guy. I mean, do you feel, um, and I know you're the host, I don't want to flip things on you and become uh, the question, but do you feel like undue pressure because of your goals and because you're, you know, you you have um, this vision for yourself, like, do you feel undue pressure to make the right choice all the time because um, of how, like, you know, biases in, in America and, like, you know, where there's racial biases, you're always combating people who either they're racially biased or they are your hair's you know your hair looks a certain way or whatever it might be which is also a racial bias um does it um does that make you more kind of calculated and more careful because you want to make the right choice all the time i think that's a great question and i encourage you to continue flipping it on me i enjoy that um but in a word yes um and it may seem kind of complicated but i I do feel a little added pressure in the fact that I don't feel, this is going to sound rough, but I don't feel that oftentimes because of the color of my skin, I will be granted as many opportunities, just as many, as many free form potential opportunities. And that's that. And I'm, I, I don't want to be cynical, you know, especially to, to those viewers and, and not say that the, that the things are equal. But I mean, you can you can kind of see there are some times in which they're not, um, you know, with with everything that's going on in the world today. I think yeah. you, you've been a little. I don't think that's a secret. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's, a, that's a secret. I think you hit that right. But I do feel a little bit of pressure to kind of, I guess you could say, make it to do my best and not necessarily uh, and it's it's something that I've had to come to terms with recently is the fact that sometimes the next step I, I always want it to be the best step I always want to be the the perfect step and I know that it it won't be and I just have to continue to take the next step and if it's not a good step learn from it and, and move on to the next one um, but it was, it was something that I did kind of struggle with initially um, coming out of, I guess you could say coming out of college in the fact that up until that point, I definitely bought into the idea of you make good grades, you know, you get a good job, you work on that job for a little bit of time, you maybe change positions one or two times over the whatever, you get, you know, 65, you get your pension and go. Um, and I realized that it, it wasn't like that anymore. Things were things were moving too fast, they were shifting too fast. And I know there's been times in my past in which I've gone for job interviews and unfortunately the color of my skin or the length of my hair has come into play. Has been um, a topic of conversation in the interview. Um, I don't know why. I've always answered them truthfully and honestly. And it's just been, if I get it, I get it. Um, but yeah, and it's, believe it or not, it's, there was one in which I was going to, um, it was an interview on the college and I was in the elevator with another young woman who was going to the same place that I was. And in that particular elevator, she decided to switch her purse to the opposite side, so a little bit farther away from me. Um, I was pretty much shirt and tie, you know, with a with my resume in hand, and she went to the same place. I think she had worked there. I went in the back and I went for an interview, and 
I remember seeing her talking to the interviewer before they interviewed me once she was inside. And I thought to myself, I could see how, I mean, I have no idea what they were talking about. Could have been talking about something completely work-related. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, the thought did go through my head. If she had some type of impact on the hiring process for that particular role, and she's doing that in the elevator, what are my chances? That's brutal, man. And what and what did she say? Like, is she going in there saying like, "Oh, this guy gave me threatening vibes in the elevator," like making stuff up? Probably. <laughs> she very well could have. She very well could have. I I I don't think it was that way, and I think it was probably just a moment in time. Um, but uh, it, the thought did pass my mind, and I had to put it on my, my my mind and go for the interview and do what it was. I didn't get that role, but uh, it's something that. Because of that, I do feel the need to try and make every move that I can't count. Yeah. Um, now, do you, we were talking about biases, like stutter and biases in relationships and stuff. Like, how has, um, I'll say like in Vancouver specifically, I, we don't have a huge, um, it's growing, and which I like, the black community is growing here, but we don't have a huge black community, like in general. But our, our diversity really falls into Asian, the huge Asian population, a huge South Asian population. Um, so, like, lots of, you know, uh, Indian people and, and um, whatnot, but uh, lots of, like, Persians. And, but, but, but we don't, and so I have a lot of friends. What I'm trying to get at is a lot of friends who have developed this love for like they're like I always want to date Asian women and it's like this bias they've created that's like my ideal type is Asian women and and I think that that's half you know maybe because the surroundings like there's a lot of times a lot of neighborhoods in Vancouver that are like more Asian than anything else right it's an Asian city it's become very like um it's become like people will say like a terror the 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 sort of in a politically incorrect stereotype is like it's Hongcouver, right? It's like, which is politically incorrect, but you hear people say it all the time. Wow, that's um, rough. But um, yeah, it's not, I'm not saying I, I say that, I'm just saying you hear it, you hear people say that, it's like whatever. Um, I, I, I personally love it because I can get, when I order dinner, I'm always ordering like the best Indian food and the best like Vietnamese food and the best sushi and like I love how like diverse our city is. But, um, but what I'm getting at is there's this like, people developing preferences racially and then like have you experienced in your life like um whether you have like friends of yours who are like maybe like black guys who are like i like white girls or like white white girls that you grew up with they're like only want to date black guys or whatever like is that a thing you've noticed a lot like the like racial bias in dating yes um but i think it's also been a healthy thing um in the fact that majority of the time i have encountered people who want to blend that gap even more, right? Like they say, hey, listen, I want to date as many different races as possible. Like I want to get outside of my comfort zone, don't necessarily date within my race and partake in people and ethnicities of different cultures because I find it interesting, because I find them intriguing, because they don't have the same upbringing that I do. Um, my, my, um, my partner now is definitely different in color than me. She's French and Native American. So we are oh, very cool. like very different from a, from a skin tone perspective. And so, but it, it works for us. And I find it more and more um, 
when we go out, it's definitely becoming more acceptable, you know? Um, I think most people honestly you, don't care. You felt eyes on you? In, in some places, yes. Yeah, yeah. In some places, yes. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, we've gone to places like Louisiana, some parts of Texas, in which it is very heavily prevalent that people will look at you differently. They just do. Um, one of the parts that was driving through uh, Texas was uh, we are going to see some parts of her family. And her dad said, hey, if you go through this particular part of Texas, try to stop as little as possible. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, just try and stop. Make sure you have a full tank of gas and get through there because you don't want cars to break down, that type of stuff. And I was like, wow, we are in, at the time, you know, 2019. And I'm like, is this still a thing? Um, but it's funny because every single time that I've had experiences with that, there's been times in which we've gone to some place else and have gotten the exact opposite. So the one time I we went to the Netherlands for vacation, walking down the street, and somebody just shouts out, yeah, yeah, swirl life. And it's like, they were happy, oh, they were super cool. positive, you know, and, and we saw another couple was across the little canal, and you know, they were like, woohoo, and like we waved at them, they waved back, and it was just kind of, it was fun. It was different. Uh, people didn't, didn't look at that. That wasn't the first thing that they they uh, they went after. But I still say it's it's prevalent out there. You just have to find a way to, I guess, to get by in your own in your own method, in your own skin. I mean, I'm I'm interested to to ask you on the on the opposite side because you know you said there's definitely a height disparity there. But um, and you talked about the the tattoos. I I've gotta think that people just think that with potentially how tall you are and the tattoos that you're just some guy that's going to just pummel them into the ground every single time you know they see you or in certain interactions is very just treats you different you know it's I definitely get treated differently at first glance and it's just funny working in in restaurants because I worked at some like I worked at a bunch of places I worked at like some like sports bars and like dive bar kind of vibes where it's just like it was super casual I didn't have like high-end clientele and they didn't it was just like normal to see a tattooed bartender but then I worked at a few like higher-end places and it'd be funny when like the people would come sit down at my bar and they'd be like like you're my server like I, I kind of half disgusted half like confused um but the cool thing is I, I always was able to to flip it and I think that like I really made it a, my point to like um to make them leave and be like, I want to see this guy again. Like, I'd, I'd have people, like, sit down and be really trepidatious about me, and then they'd leave and be like, here's my business card, like, come to my, like, like, like let's hang out, or come to my business, like, my art gallery, or whatever, because if it's hiring clients, they'd always be, like, some interesting thing they were up to, right? Um, some bougie lifestyle they had. But, I mean, and, and not, not that I was trying to impress them, but it was always kind of a game I would play, like, subconsciously, like, I'm going to flip this, I want to make sure that they like me when they leave. Um, and, and to kind of speak to that a little more, like, I feel because I'm 6'8", which is quite ginormous, especially in Canada, I feel like there's a lot of, like, giant, like, athlete, like, I look at, like, uh, grade 12 kids who are, like, doing, like, they're, they're going into, like, college football, and they're doing, like, they're benching, like, 225 for 15, and I'm like, these guys are, like, huge. But in Canada, we don't have that so much, right? I, I feel like the people are smaller, and Vancouver being very Asian, you know, it's, it is a smaller height-wise, so I really stand out height-wise. 
And then my um, my tattoos, like uh, for anyone listening, like I'm like I have like neck tattoos and hand tattoos, like because I was like again thought I was gonna be a rocker forever. So I'm very tattooed. Not my face, thankfully. I'm not ever gonna tattoo my face, and I, I'm glad I didn't. But um, but you still look at looks with hand and neck tattoos. But one thing I was gonna gonna get at with that is like I think if you meet someone who's like five, like some, like say, so some white dude with, with like skinny white dude with brown hair, who's like five nine, who serves you at a bar and it's just like polite and pleasant and has no distinguishing features. Um, they might, you know, they're quite forgettable, you know, it's just some other like friendly, like bartender type, like, you know, a normal average dude. So I always try to like think of it like, okay, maybe this is an advantage like maybe the fact that i've made myself so tattooed and like i have my days where i'm like why did i do this like why did i get because i got tattooed like years ago like i'm not like getting tattooed still right i got i'm 34 now i got tattooed mostly in my early 20s um but uh those days where i'm like why did i do that like i shouldn't have done that really i'm like man i stand out like people remember me i always have people stopping me on the street like hey kai like you i remember you served me at this bar and like so i i think that i have you know uh, to your point, people think I'm going to pummel them into the ground when they first see me because I'm huge and um, and I'm not just tall, but I'm like a big dude and like I played football growing up and I like I've done like some power lifting. Not that I do that still, but I I just built up a little bit of muscle mass, so I definitely have like some size on me and so I have a presence about me. But then I also I'm so nice and I like I don't have a mean face, so like because I like flip it and be as nice as possible, as I said earlier, like go to the corner store and I'm like the nicest person or go to the restaurant and I'm, like couldn't be nicer to the server. I'm like, I gotta be the nicest person in the room. Um, and because of that, I think it's working to my advantage, which is a weird thing to say, but it's like, oh wow, this crazy tattooed guy is nicer than nicer than most. So so maybe it, maybe it all works, you know, I'm making the most of a weird situation. No, I think, I think you hit on a, a good point is, is the fact that like you talked about, you know, the, the five nine guy with brown hairs and no indistinguishable features. While he could be somebody's or you know somebody's Mr. Right out there, um, I don't really think that anybody ever wants somebody that's just average. You know, like like just checks all the regular boxes. Like everybody. I feel like wants somebody who's going to, you know, make them laugh, make them feel better about themselves and, and all those kinds of things. And while those are personality traits from an aesthetic standpoint, um, there's usually something that's a little bit different about the people that we see, the people that we find attractive that others don't. And so I think we have to kind of take the moment to, to take a step back and say, embrace the differences of each individual person when you know seeking that partner right um and so just because those differences may not be your typical differences that you like or differences that need some accustom to or need some uh getting used to for example if we're talking about the stud of the lazy eye those types of things those are just differences, and just because you've never encountered them before doesn't mean that they won't bring value to your life if you partake in, you know, dating or, or getting to know that person. Um, I think you just have to look at it with a different lens than you typically would, instead of a, hey, you don't fit into my box. Um, 
look at it as a, hey, let me talk with you. Let me understand you as a person, see what your life is like and see if it matches the certain things that I'm looking for in my life, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's some nice, some, there's probably some pretty amazing people out there that are, uh, that don't fit into your, uh, you know, your mold or whatever, you know, whatever you're looking for, like your, your friend in high school or whatever college that was looking for the six foot five guy who makes 150 grand. I mean, that's a one way ticket to misery, right? That's a one way ticket to never finding what you want. So and, and that the guy that I knew with a stutter, I'm sure you feel the same way about your buddy with a stutter, but like my, my, my buddy who had a stutter, who I saw like once a week at my bar, he was like the, one of the nicest people. And he actually moved to Victoria, which is a few hours away from me. So I haven't seen him in a long time. But like, he still texts me like once every few months, like, hey Kai, like hope you're doing well. Like just the nicest dude. Um, and I, I'm sure a lot of a lot of women have, have unfortunately, like subconsciously or consciously passed on him because of his stutter. And that, that is a shame, right? It's a shame to have to, uh, to let your biases get in the way in that regard. I wonder, I, I know, I don't know how we're doing on time, but I wonder um, how, uh, you know, political, so in Canada, we don't have um, maybe as intense a political spectrum. We have our conservative party, so it's like, you know, it would be our Trump sort of, like our Republican, right? And then we have our liberal, so Trudeau's our prime minister and he's more of like that, you know, Biden, Obama type. And I think that maybe it's less intense, so you could probably date someone. Luckily, my partner is um, a little more left-leaning like I am, so she would be more, you know, we're, we're fine with our prime minister. He's a nice, nice enough guy. We're not conservative. Um, I've never dated, I guess I've never dated someone super conservative. I'm wondering, oh, it must be different now in America, because the political divide grows every year, goes further and further, and like the, the right gets further right and the left gets further left. and. That's probably a real big factor these days, like with dating. And, and I mean, luckily we're both in, in relationships and don't have to deal with that. But I mean, I couldn't imagine, like that must be, people must be walking out on dates. Like they go and go to a date and then they realize like, oh damn, this guy loves Trump and I hate Trump. Like I'm gonna walk, you know what I mean? Like that must be a thing. Yeah, I, I would be shocked <laughs> if it's not a thing. Um, I think that's gotta be one of those that you might have to kind of have that conversation early in and kind of gauge that other person's viewpoint. Um, and I think this also brings about another part in the fact that you kind of have to bring your whole self to the table, you know, with when, when it comes to the dating, because, you know, if you try and conceal your particular views on topics, whether it's, you know, politics or society or religion or whatever the case is, and then you know, you, you proceed on with dating somebody for over the course of a couple of months and then start to reveal them, I think it can be a recipe for some bad, you know, interactions. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people put on a fake, they put on their fake, like, I'm going to impress this person mask or whatever they wear at the beginning of a relationship. And that's, uh, and that's why I always tell my friends, like, don't, or, or people who are sitting at my bar over there, it's like, don't move in right away. Cause in Vancouver, as I said, it's like two grand a month for a one bedroom apartment. So it's not, it's so enticing to move in with someone right away, but you're in that, as you say, you said earlier, like the honeymoon phase, it's also like that discovery phase where it's like, how long does it take for someone to take their mask off and show you who they really are? Um, and you know, 
And whether that's, you know, political views or usually that stuff comes out early, like uh, this are, these are my religious views, these are my political views, those are, I, you know, this is my, maybe, you know, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a strict meat, whatever, you know, whatever you might be, those usually come out early. But I mean, even going deeper, like, um, I have anger, you know, say someone has anger, not me personally, but I, I have anger issues, I have really crazy anxiety issues, whatever it might be, like, that's when that mask comes off and you realize that. Um, so I think, um, you know, taking things slow and, uh, and, you know, giving relationships the time, you know, before you get the dog in the apartment and the, and the car that you share or whatever, you know, make sure that they aren't, um, a total psychopath, right? <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> that's a, important. That's huge. You know? Um, yeah, you don't want to make sure that you're not going to be dating an axe murderer, but I also think there's a healthy bit of, I don't want to say, bring your whole selves there. I think we can both agree with that but is to almost be honest to a fault, right? And to say, hey, although, you know, we may have these biases, we may have these stereotypes, if they play a large enough role in your being or your perceptions, just own it, right? I, I think there's a, there's a lot of people that, that, because it might not reflect the best on them, they have a hard time kind of owning it, but I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a liberation that happens when you have the ability to say, hey, listen, this might not be something that, I, that I'm ever able to get past. And, you know, if it's a viewpoint or, or even if it is one of those stutters or something like that, I think, I think you owe it partially to that person if you're in the dating realm to say, hey, listen, you know, I tried to make this work. It's just not something that I feel like I can get past. I'm sorry. And just, and just to kind of be honest with that person and say, hey, this is... This is, um, this is just gonna be tough for me. And because of that, I, I don't think that we're gonna be compatible in that regard. Um, I think being self-aware and, and realizing that is okay. And I think from the other side, um, it allows that person to, to kind of have a clean definition of what's happening with that particular interaction. And to realize that it's, it's not them, it's just that person is not okay with something that they're giving off or some way that they look. And, that's that's all right, you know, and, and to be upfront and, and honest, I think this is the only thing. It's like, for example, when people end a relationship, like nobody wants to be drug along forever, like end it, that's what it is, it's it's not okay. I mean, the one, one, uh, one that I'll share, cause you know, I wanna be respectful of your time and we're getting a little close, but um, I would definitely want to get your viewpoint is, I did this one time in college in which there was a lady at a Starbucks um, and I found her attractive. And she was in the window and she was reading and across from her was just an empty chair. And I went in there and I just sat down in the empty chair and she looks up from her book and I just asked her yes or no. And she looked at me for a second, but the way that I implied it was like, do you find me attractive? Does that seem like, would it be something that you would you know, partake in later. Um, and she looked at me after a second and she's like, I would have said yes, but I've just started, you know, talking with this other particular guy and I think it's going in a good place. So I'm not going to, you know, I guess, you know, date two people at the same time. And I said, you know what? I'm completely okay with that. It was a complete shot in the dark, but the honesty of her answer 
it kind of made everything okay. I mean, well, that and the fact that she said that she would have said yes, she could have been lying straight to my face, I don't know. Um, but I, I just found that she, she even said, she's like, I appreciate the authenticity of how you were asking this because it was straight to the point, it was honest or whatever. Would I ever probably do it again? No. Um, but I, I thought in that particular situation, the honesty on both sides made the interaction memorable in a way. Um, so I just, just thought I would share that just because somebody out there might benefit from that. No, I think that's cool. I think it's very forward, but in a, in a, it wasn't a disrespectful way, which is cool. I, it's such a fine line, right? Like, I think the way you did that was, was, um, you know, you were prepared to walk away gracefully if she said no. And I think that, unfortunately, I think a lot of, I know a lot of guys wouldn't be as cool as you, like you're, you're obviously came up and you were cool about it. Uh, it's just, there's so many, um, so many variables there, right? Like, and, and I'm sure for women, like it's, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it's intimidating being a woman and having like men approach you sometimes. It must be, you know, like, so, um, you know, in that situation, I think you didn't do anything wrong because obviously, like, you were drawn. I think the world kind of drew you to her in that moment, right? You were like, this could be something cool. You were drawn. There was an electricity that drew you to her. So I think it's cool that you did that. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, as long as uh, people doing that, like what you did, I think is, is super cool. As long as they're going to prepare to be as, um, as cool as uh as like uh, mature about it as you were because you were like yes or no like do you want to have this conversation with me as long as people are prepared to be like no sweet i totally get it and walk away like you did um that's that i think that's cool i think that's that's almost like swiping right she had the chance to swipe right on you yeah, right? she and had the total the chance to swipe right and I, I went into it completely expecting to be rejected because of the fact that i had about four minutes to get to my next class. So I, I said, if this is gonna happen, it's just gonna be one of those serendipitous moments in the universe in which, you know, I'm gonna, you know, she's gonna say yes, you know, maybe we'll exchange numbers and that will be the forever first story of our interaction of our, you know, the rest of our lives together. Um, so it was just interesting, but I, I remember the fact that because of the conversation was so honest that I, I wanted to kind of share that for people that, you know, that honesty into, to know yourself and to know whether or not something is going to be good or bad for you, that can help in the whole stereotype conversation. Yeah, for sure. I think people need to like you know take those chances too, because I mean I'm sure I'm sure you didn't always do that. There's probably times in your life where you didn't sit down and say yes or no, and you're like, damn, that person, you know, you maybe. Uh, I'm mean, obviously now you're happy, but in the, maybe it could have been a relationship you had along the way that could have been something, right, that you missed out on. So. Um, a lot of people are their own worst enemy, I'm sure, in finding the right fit. And whether they're their own worst enemy because they have unrealistic expectations or because they're too um, nervous or closed off or whatever to take a chance and, like, be open and be like, forward, I think that that's, you know, we're definitely our own worst enemies in that way, right? And, and um, a lot of people are lonely as a result, I'm sure. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that end up overthinking it or self-sabotage themselves in that in that uh in that mindset but so i want to kind of touch on a couple of points to kind of wrap things up to see if you know we're all aligned on ways to kind of decouple the bias you know a little bit so um so a couple of things that we definitely hit on is we want to make sure that we watch and be careful about who 
we idolize, who, who we perceive as attractive, who we, who we believe um, is, is going to be that suitable person for us. Um, it kind of, kind of, because it kind of, it could create a distorted perception of what we find attractive or, or beautiful. Um, we also want to be sure to be cognizant of the people that we're hanging out with, right? You know, expand your circle, find people that are a little bit different than you that will help broaden your horizons, which will help you incorporate different points of view and, and different uh, versions of, of, of beauty and different uh, potential mates that you could be potentially um, be a part of. Um, make sure to embrace those differences um, so that way you kind of bring that into your circle and kind of find different variations of that beauty which will help reduce the amount of kind of biases and stereotypes that you've had because you've had a bigger swath of, of people. And then uh, the last part is to realize your expectations with regards to this and be honest and, and upfront with people. Whether it's good, bad, or different, I think all people can at least um, understand and be good with that honesty. Did I miss anything? Yeah, and love and, and, and love yourself, right? I think people need to care about themselves and and um, and you know think the world of themselves, hopefully, and then they'll. Uh, what is what's the old saying? We accept we accept the love we think we deserve. That's it. That's an old saying. That's a cool thing where it's like um, essentially directly translating to if you. You think you deserve something awesome that might, the world might bring it to you, right? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great saying um, because I think a lot more people just in general just deserve a little bit more love, but um, that was a good wrap up. I think we got a lot of, a lot of good stuff here. I really got to say you know, a super huge uh, thank you uh, to Kai for kind of bringing him his full self here and his all of his his stories and his thoughts and um, his experiences and his viewpoint has really been helpful because I really wanted for this topic to get somebody that was very different than myself, but still had um, a unique perspective that they could share in a, in a positive way. So thank you, I, I really appreciate you you coming on the show. Yeah, man, that was so fun. And uh, it's it's cool to have like, you know, you're in Florida, I'm in Vancouver. We couldn't be further apart geographically. Um, and uh, it's just like giant tattooed white guy and like awesome uh, long haired black guy from Florida. Like it's just like the, the juxtaposition of who we are, but then like talking about this and like really coming to like, really like I, I think, you know, maybe you disagree, but I think we were like pretty much just agreeing with each other the whole time. Cause we were, uh, we, cause we had the same, um, you know, general viewpoints. So it's cool, man. I think it's really co a cool conversation. And, and um, it's cool that we just chatted. I literally, for the for context, added you uh, for the listeners. I added you on LinkedIn, kind of randomly, because I, 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 uh, I just add a lot of people that might, you know, uh, might have interest in, in Olive, and, and you didn't. You, you were kind of irrelevant to what um, to what my startup does, but it ended up being way better in the sense that we made a real connection and. Um, and uh, got to have this conversation. So hopefully we can continue it uh, outside of the podcast and, and uh, chat further in life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the pleasure is, is all mine. And, and like I said, it, it was really just a, you know, just a random connection that seemed to kind of work. 
right? And I agree with you. We were, I think we were coming from the same kind of standpoint with a lot of our viewpoints. Um, but I think it, we've got some things here that, you know, a listener could take away from and, you know, kind of become a better person and, and share some positivity, which is all what this is about. So, um, man, the world just needs positivity right now, like so much of it. So it, the fact that, you know, it, hopefully people will listen to this and, and feel positive and, uh, and, and, and spread it around because honestly, I spend a lot of my day on LinkedIn and there's so much negativity and we have an election coming up in the US and there's this like cyclical negativity. So any chance you can have, I get to have a positive conversation is just, uh, it's awesome man. It's, it's important. Yeah, it's, it's super important. I just think, especially not only for the climate, but just for oftentimes people's mental state as well, you know, with COVID mm-hmm. and that stuff, people getting outside just to have some positivity. So. Um, we'll definitely share any of, uh, like for example, Olive and stuff like that. We'll put a put a link into it so that way all the listeners, if you're interested in, in what they have to say and what they do, um, you can kind of get in contact with Kai or anything on that level. But um, we really want to, uh, if you guys want to join in on the conversation, you can always do so at our website, which is ideaprof.live, or you can hit us up on any one of the social handles at using the handle at ideaprof. Um, Make sure to tune in after the break for the invention of the week. Um, And we'll talk to you next time. Hey, welcome to another Idea Prop Insight. Um, I wanted to share with you guys a quick quick link uh, to an article that I found about vitamin C. So apparently these students over in San Diego um, created a wearable non-invasive vitamin C sensor to be able to apply to the skin and measure the levels. Um, It's an adhesive patch and measures the levels in sweat, saliva, and tears. So pretty much kind of bodily fluids. Um, So it's made to help kind of register whether people are are sick or could use assistance. So from an idea prop spin, I kind of thought this would be really neat as far as advanced technology to uh, investigate whether people might be low in particular vitamins or minerals deficiencies. It could use it potentially with upgraded technology for first responders to be able to see real life metrics such as oxygen sensation or uh, oxygenation, heart rate, things of that nature, as well as uh, blood screening and early detection for illnesses if your imbalances are, are a little out of, uh, out of whack. So I thought this was a neat thing that I wanted to share. So definitely put it in the link in the bio um, for the episode. So until next time.